USA Today wrote an article trashing Zach for doing so and trashing his logic. So not, not only did Zach uh, make this prediction that came true, the prediction is astonishingly long odds in its full scope. He also predicted that Von Miller would be the Super Bowl MVP. He predicted that there would be a Black Panther tribute at halftime as well. There are no odds for that. There's absolutely zero odds from that. And so when you combine all of those events, you have one heck of a prediction there. And I think that you need to come to grips with the understanding logic. You need to at least respect that somebody made the prediction rather than writing a hit piece on them. I am Kerry, and this is From the Hip. It's a show with no script, very little pre-research, and some stopping in the middle to check some precise details. And I found that I might be better off scripting because I did just record a previous version of this episode with none of those things that I just mentioned, and it ran a little long at 62 minutes. And so this is me telling you I'm starting over to try to make it faster. This is an episode about life-changing moments, life-changing milestones. This is an episode about misinformation kind of like um, has been involved in the last couple of episodes. This is an episode about what it takes to pursue truth relentlessly in an age of lies. In an age where most people don't know that lies are really so prevalent. This is an episode about a hero. Finally, this is an episode that will stretch your imagination of what could be possible and what could be the motives of people that we live with in the world. And so I want to tell you ahead of time that yes, I understand this sounds nutty, but I didn't make it up and neither did Zach Hubbard. This is an episode about a person named Zachary K. Hubbard and his study his documentation, his leverage, and his production from the ancient practice of coding numbers into words known as gematria, something that traces back to Pythagoras and ancient Kabbalah, and then has risen up through likely the Catholic Church since they received it sometime many centuries ago. This is an episode about things that will change the world, but things that are difficult. A friend of mine has a joke that when someone tells you that a YouTube video changed your life, you write down the name of that YouTube video and you go watch it. Now, I, I don't know whether that's a rule for sure or it's a joke. It might have something to do with all the YouTube videos that have changed my life. And that was certainly the case when one day in December 2018, YouTube recommended that I watch a video entitled something like, Why is Skull and Bones Associated with the Number 322? And this was a great, great recommendation on the part of YouTube because I really did want to know the answer to this because the, the number and the secret society, Skull and Bones, a fraternity at Yale, university had been brought to my attention earlier that year. So I really wanted to know the answer, and I found out. And finding out uh, from Zach's channel on YouTube 
led me down a path of, of listening to more of Zach's content, listening to the fact that he was making predictions about who was going to win the upcoming playoff games in the NFL and win the Super Bowl, and led me to take an interest in some other predictions uh, that he was making based on items that he was seeing in the news at that time. Again, I am doing this all from the cuff. I am going to jump right into this, and so it's from the best of my memory that I'm going to say some things uh, about Zach's history, about his knowledge of gematria, about his use of it that's unfolded over the last seven or so years, and and what that means for you and I, and, and the people that you and I know, and what it means for the future of the world. Hopefully, I can get that all in. And I also want to touch base on how we interact with people who are confronting us with information that is difficult to deal with. That's going to be inevitable, I think, for the rest of your and I's life. And so we, we need to be thinking about how we're going to treat people and how we're going to interact with new sets of information that don't conform with our own impressions of reality. So without further ado, I, I, I've titled this episode The Man Who Predicts Super Bowls because I, I think that, that we need to get that out of the way very quickly. In I don't remember what season of the NFL it was because I haven't watched the NFL for like 12 years, but in the season that the Panthers played the Broncos in the Super Bowl, Zach predicted that that would be the Super Bowl matchup, and I believe that was in the month of October that he did so. And USA Today wrote an article trashing Zach for doing so and trashing his logic, which had to do with the with the um, associations with what was going on in the news that year. The Carolina Panthers, Black Panthers, would play the Denver Broncos with the, with the white horse on the helmet. And so not, not only did Zach uh, make this prediction that came true, the prediction is astonishingly long odds in its full scope. Uh, you could say that in October, the chances for the teams who would be in the Super Bowl was about um, one and eight. You know, late in the season, about half the teams in either conference have a chance to get into the playoffs or and so forth. So you could say to pick the Panthers was a one in eight chance. One in eight. Yeah, one in eight chance. And, and to pick the Broncos was a one in eight chance. Well... Then he went on to predict that, that if I remember, memory serves, he predicted that Beyonce would perform at halftime, which is something that, again, hadn't been announced, and is usually not announced until January, if I recall correctly. And he also predicted that Von Miller would be the Super Bowl MVP. Now, let's go back to the math, because, because you might say that well, out of all the players that would play, you, you know, you're not going to really count the offensive line as having a chance to be Super Bowl MVP. So, so maybe the odds of picking the, in a, the MVP of the Super Bowl would be 1 in 16 or 1 in 15, something like that, 1 in 17. But the fact of the matter is that 
this was well in advance of knowing which two teams would play in the Super Bowl. And so the odds were much longer. At their slimmest, or sorry, at their best, they were 1 in 15, but truly it was 1 in hundreds. So you have 1 eighth, 1 eighth, and you pick 1 in 15 or 1 in hundreds that I'm not going to count. Oh, and he predicted Beyonce. Well, there's there's a good hundred or two musical performers that could have been chosen from. We just don't know. Um, I would give you one in thirty or fifty, possibly, to choose. You know, to to you you choose your odds. It doesn't matter really to me because this is already very narrow. He predicted that there would be a Black Panther tribute at halftime as well. Now, there are no odds for that. Black Panthers, as in the, the uh, group that was started in Oakland in the 60s and 70s. Okay, there, there's no odds for that. There's absolutely zero odds from that. And so when you combine all of those events, that is a, a, a combined statistical event that cannot be predicted. Mathematically, there's no mathematical analysis for that. I, I I don't think. I mean, it's it's as close to being not possible as just saying, okay, let's let's just say it's not possible. It's it's slimmer odds than the Mega Millions lottery. I can't emphasize this enough because it would be easy to dismiss a person who predicted one Super Bowl matchup let's say, a couple of months in advance, or predicted it one year in advance. But the, the fact of the matter is that Zach has predicted um, that participants in the Super Bowl many times, and at different lengths, he predicted that the New England Patriots would last be in the Super Bowl a whole year in advance. You know, the very next day after they had lost in the Super Bowl to the the Philadelphia Eagles, he predicted that they would be in it again the following year. And over the summer, I think it was, he he predicted that they would play the Rams because of an event involving Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald wears the number 99, and he had a 99-day holdout on a contractor negotiation, something like that. And once that came to an end... Uh, there was some other number associations. Oh, by the way, I haven't really explained gematria, this practice of coding numbers into words. It's important that you understand that the English language was something that was codified and refined and built up over the period of years following the, you know, either, either the documented or the plausible time at which um, the, the, the Western world the European world would have gotten hold of gematria from the Jewish tradition. And so, Zach uses four ciphers, or code systems, if you will, to understand the, the codes behind the, ling the English language that are hidden in number. These codes are the alphabetical order, 1 through 26, uh, so you have A equals 1 through 26 equals um, Z, pardon me. And, and then another cipher is to look at those numbers, or look at, pardon me, 
Another cipher consists of the same rules, but with the, the rules of numerology included. So every double-digit number is reduced to a single-digit number. That yields usually a separate um, sum of numbers. So again, like the word cat, C equals 3, A equals 1, T equals 20. So in the first cipher, that is um, 24. And it, with the rules of numerology, you have, you take that t, 2 plus 0 equals 2, so you have 3 plus 1 plus 2 equals 6. Cat equals 6, it also equals 24. And then there's two other ciphers that involve the alphabetical order backwards and the alphabetical order uh, with the, backwards with the rules of numerology. For the first several years that Zach was researching this knowledge, he was using just the, the um, alphabetical order and alphabetical order with the rules of, of numerology. And it wasn't until several years, as I said, after using them to investigate news headlines, to investigate sports, that he realized that there was a fuller picture drawn in those things by using the reverse ciphers. So, where and when did Zach pick up on this? I think that since I want to draw some emphasis on life-changing moments, I, I want to look back at the instances of Zach's life that he often reflects on as, as shaping his path to this point in life. He often brings up the age of 17, the year 2000. He was just not quite old enough to vote in the presidential election that year. And which, by the way, involved, uh, well, no, never mind. I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself by one election. So uh, it was Bush versus Gore. And for months, he recalls that the mainstream media said that the election was going to be really tight and it was going to come down to Florida. And when it did come down to Florida, Zach thought that that was just really suspicious that the mainstream media had predicted that for a long time and that Florida was uh, the state where Jeb Bush was governor. And, and Zach just decided that he was never going to vote in such elections because to him, there were clear indications that an election is not what that should be called. And... Zach's story was also shaped by something that happened uh, not quite a year later in the month of September 2001. And at then 18, uh, a freshman at Arizona State University, he found his persistence uh, about the, the way that he saw that event was putting him at odds with a lot of people. But eventually, as I recall, it led to one professor pulling him aside and saying, you know, I think you should look into the the two temples, uh, the destruction of the two temples of Solomon, Solomon's temple, and so on and so forth. I, I'm not overly familiar with that. I had never heard of Solomon's temple, I don't think, until Zach brought it up. And so that kind of took him down a path of research over a period of years when finally... Zach read The Secret Teachings of All Ages by Manly P. Hall, who was a honorary 33rd degree Freemason, as I understand it. 
Manly P. Hall gave thousands of hours of lectures on occult topics in the latter part of his life, as I understand it. And, and in The Secret Teachings of All Ages, he mentions gematria, and he mentions that a person who applied gematria to news headlines and so on might find some interesting things. And so that's what Zach did. He started analyzing uh, news headlines and the stories for about a year, kind of journaling down the numbers that were associated with with headlines, uh, especially probably, and and eventually, after he'd done that long enough, he was certain that he was on to something, that he was seeing something consistent and repeatable. And so he brought what he had been studying to the light of the public via YouTube and via a public blog. He noticed that there was a reason for so many headlines to have nonsensical format, according to me, in which words or phrases are emphasized via scare quotes, which that it's that single apostrophe rather than the double apostrophe that denotes a, an actual quote. A scare quote is defined as, as uh, a punctuation that is sneering by the author. Sneering or quibbling uh, or, or some sort of ironicness. I use them to denote a hypothetical quote. It's something that someone might say, but it's not something that somebody did say or as something that somebody would say um, in a non-literal way, something, that's something that they would not actually mean, but to say for a matter of rhetoric. That's how I use them. But you'll notice probably that these scare quotes are used every day, uh, numerous times in mainstream media headlines, and for no reason, I'm not an a APA slob, <coughs> pardon me, snob or an MLA snob or anything like that, but I am a bit of a grammar snob, and, and I don't think that there's any reason for the way that these headlines appear. And, and beyond that, I've noticed for many years before discovering Zach's work as well, that there would be just totally irrelevant sentences details and especially numbers included in in different articles uh, about different subjects that they had nothing to do with the gist of the story there was no reason for them to be there and as a professional writer one should know better yet this happened all the time and and Zach's efforts to expose gematria and to understand what was happening have given us an understanding of why these irrelevant things are occurring on a daily basis. Now, where does gematria come from philosophically? It's rooted in the, the idea, the, um, the Hebrew idea that God created the world by merging the letter with the number with the word. That is the opening paragraph, roughly, of the Sefer Yetzira, as I, if I recall correctly, that is. Um, this is a different iteration 
you might say, on Pythagoras's assertion that all is number. When you analyze the world as we know it um, from, from a matter of frequencies, electromagnetic frequencies, you understand that there are mathematical patterns in, in much of matter and energy. Um, we have mathematical patterns like the golden ratio in, in numerous biological instances. Okay, This is what Pythagoras meant by all is number. And this is also something that's basically referred to by the Jewish tradition in, in saying that God created the world with, by merging the letter with the number of the word. This is more symbolically suggested by the Bible's opening, where the where God opens, pardon me, builds the world uh, through a set of numbered days. And there are also other instances where gematria appears throughout the Bible. That's why there were gematria scholars in the Catholic Church for centuries before today. Uh, as an example, one of those. One of those numbers that I think is really interesting is the number 40, which is associated with purges and cleansing, like the flood of Noah lasts 40 days, like Jesus goes into the desert and, and we, you know, we have Lent because of that, because he's out there for 40 days. And you will, I've come across other, other sort of traditions involving that 40 along the same lines of purging and cleansing. If you're still with me, but you're wondering where I'm going with this and why I'm talking about such a nutty topic as numbers coded into words, well, the short answer to that of why is because there are people alive today who are using this idea of of God creating the world out of numbers and letters and words, shaping it that way, they, they think that they too can sort of play God. That's my supposition. And you thinking, well, that's nutty. Why, what is wrong with carrying? Well, I want to remind you of something. This is, I'm not making up this topic. I haven't made up gematria. Zach Hubbard has not made up gematria. Even the people who are using it in the headlines today, even the people who are scripting sports with it today, did not make it up. This is an ancient practice, and it, it travels back through time, through institutions, major institutions, major uh, formations of knowledge and philosophy, such as the Catholic Church, such as the, uh, the Jewish traditions, oral traditions, as well as written. And so, I don't care if you think it's nutty. So do I, in a sense. I'm bringing it to your attention because I think you have something to gain, or at least something to stop losing, by um, being involved in professional sports by being involved in politics of the day, by being involved in following the news. And all of those things are revealed as something other than what we tend to think that they are when we look at them through the lens of gematria.
and understanding this idea of people playing God by merging the letter with the number with the word. Again, this is an idea about all being number and about the world, the universe, and everything being contained within math. Oh, by the way, what, what are the chances now that I have introduced this idea that the movie slash book, The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, uh, and, and their injunction that the secret to life, the universe, and everything is 42. Is this beginning to open a window for you? Maybe it will. So, that, that was it. So, Zach discovers this knowledge through Manly P. Hall. He journals about it for a year. Then he brings it out to light. Then he realizes that there are narratives and, and codings, gematria codings in the mainstream media, which seem to hint at who will win what sports championships or who will participate in the championship events. One of the breakthrough events for Zach was when he predicted that the Cleveland Cavaliers would win the NBA Finals. Uh, I believe he predicted that months in advance. I didn't know about Zach then, and much of the records that would show this have been deleted by YouTube. So, But he was on YouTube publicly claiming that the Cavaliers would win the NBA Finals. And when the Cavaliers went down 3-1 in the Finals series that year, I think this was 2016... Bunch of people, as could be expected, jumped on to Zach's videos and said, Hey, how's your prediction going, man? You're so wrong. And he said, Well, hang on a second. You know, you got this LeBron James character who many people, you know, oftentimes people refer to LeBron as King James. Well, there happened to be a real King James. Oh, and by the way, he, you know, he was a Freemason. I think he maybe became a Freemason at age 35. And, oh, by the way, King James has his own version of the Bible. That's very interesting. So, Zach says, well, Game 7 would be on on uh, the real King James's birthday. So, no, I, I don't think I've missed this at all. And, you know, if I were you, I'd double down. And double down, a number of people seem to have done. Zach has claimed that, you know, from from what happened next, uh, and by estimating from the comments on his subsequent videos, that people must have won a combined hundreds of thousands of dollars by, by betting on the Cavaliers at that point. When they were down three to one, I think that the odds, were, the payout was something like 40 to one. A number of people took Zach's advice at that point, and they they won. The Cavaliers did win the series, and and this gained Zach quite a bit of traction. But there's also a lot of bit of trouble that comes along with trying to spread this knowledge of how um, certain subset or subsets of people try to. Uh, script reality and 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 play God through through um, these numbers. 
So it comes with some setbacks. YouTube has deleted Zach's channel like 19 or 20 times. They have demonetized um, him. And, you know, that's not all. He's had an FBI agent once visit him under a false reasoning. You know, I, it, it seemed that either... It seemed that the FBI agent knew that that the reason, the grounds for which he showed up at Zach's house or apartment was false to begin with. Not that he, the agent was following uh, a lead on something that was reported. That's, that's my assessment of Zach's recounting of the story. At one point, Zach was issued a warning from a fellow YouTuber that he should watch out for Christmas Eve. And that Christmas Eve, a car drove into Zach's house. And as I remember, Zach also was kind of screwed over by the, his home insurance company uh, as, as far as getting paid back for that. So um, there's been a lot of setbacks. Zach was a school teacher before he took an interest in Gematria. And he'll never be a school teacher again, probably, because he'll be blacklisted because of all the very accurate predictions <laughs> and concerns that he has over the subject of gematria. I want you to think about that for a minute. Someone with Zach's track record of predicting sports should be taken seriously by everyone who encounters the knowledge. Um, I guess that most people, though, show up to Zach's YouTube channel on a day when he's reporting about the latest celebrity death, and they just dismiss the work as something... You know, that anybody could do by picking any cipher and, you know, you're using four different ciphers and, you know, you could come up with anything. And, and the truth is you really can't come up with anything and you especially can't do it consistently to match um, topics with the names of people involved, the dates on which they're reported or which events happen, and the locations at which they're reported to have happened. You can't do it nearly as consistently as Zach does it, which is on a daily basis for like seven years. So it's not a coincidence at all. Mathematically, there is no way to dismiss the staggering frequency with which the patterns that Zach points out show up. To make a coincidence out of this would be to suggest that the fabric of our universe and, and, and Pythagoras's assertion that all is number is much more true than we ever could have expected. Somewhere near the bounds of fate. But I think that it's much more likely that people who have gained this knowledge use it today for nefarious means, and I think you ought to look into it. I'll give you an example. In 2016, Zach predicted that Donald Trump would be the winner of the U.S. presidential selection. And a big part of that prediction hinged on Fox News' announcement that Donald Trump would be appearing on um, Fox News for the 133rd time this, this uh, presidential election cycle, this campaign cycle. And, and they made quite a bit of a deal about telling you it's the 133rd time. And people, 
you, you gotta look seriously at the question of why are you announcing it's the 133rd time? You know, you'll notice this from time to time. You'll hear an article. It's like, well, we had more than 33 um, donors. <laughs> we had uh, more than 56 NFL players come down with coronavirus, which, by the way, something like that happened twice, and the number 56 was the number of the year 2020. But nevertheless, back to the story. Donald Trump making his 133rd appearance on Fox News rang a bell for Zach because the num- um, president in the reverse ordinal cipher, that is the alphabetical order backwards, president equals 133. In that cipher, you have P equals 11, R equals 9, E equals 22, and so on. So upon putting that together, Zach, was, I think, was... That was when he was pretty confident that Donald Trump would win. Zach also predicted that Donald Trump would be a one-term president. And throughout much of 2020, he has stated over and over again that Biden would win. And his analysis and his, of the numbers and you know his reasoning for that have really rung true all the way through and since the election. The numbers 46 and 35 as they relate to um, Catholicism. And also you have his running mate, Kamala Harris, who, um, you know, her her designated number, I would say, is the number 71, also rings true. There's plenty more to say about that. The fact is that, that gematria, however nutty you want to call it, is a thing. The pattern persists. Call it synchronicity, but investigate. Investigate and you will find that these synchronicities show up every day at a staggering rate, as I said. And that is how Zach and other people like Victor and Martin and Rod and Adam and and many other people have been able to make accurate predictions at a rate that puts every betting site, uh, every sports reporting site to shame in their predictions. And maybe that's just part of the game. Here's the challenge. Are you going to, as a listener, it's a real question to me. What are you going to do with this knowledge? I myself have kept it mostly to myself for about two years because I think that the body of knowledge is overwhelmingly true. Most people, when you bring up the JFK assassination or a number of other events that don't really add up to the official account, they're, they're fine with engaging with those things on a sort of hypothetical, ethereal basis because it, it's, it's fine for it to be, you know, to remain a mystery. I, I think that gematria is too much. It is, it is too forward. It's too omnipresent for um, to, to be taken received very well by a lot of people, unless they are, are, are ready in some way. 
And so, you know, it's my assertion that when someone presents to you contrary information to what you have, you, you really ought to take that very seriously. What a lot of people do is that they call someone like Zach or myself schizophrenic. And quite frankly, every one of you deserves, deserves a slap on the face. You, you really are showing zero respect to someone who is in very good health because you've been confronted with something that you don't understand. Think about that. Zach Hubbard is one of the smartest people that I've ever encountered in my life. And, and I think that anybody who can get past the fact that Zach is often frustrated and, and, and angry about the, you know, he's, he's ignored by members of his own family. He has probably very few friends, even though he's a, he's a heck of a nice guy, as far as I can tell. But to be isolated from one's society because you're concerned about the truth, like all you can do is pursue truth. And to be isolated for that, to be shunned for it, to be basically punished for it. Can you imagine Imagine that for five or ten seconds before you next time call someone a nut? And dismiss what they're saying because it doesn't align with your version of things. You know, and think about how the world might become a better place if you did that. If you if you took enough time to contemplate that that things might be other than what you think they are, and then you treated people who are your family members and your friends and your neighbors as if they are validly thinking people before you treat them like they have a mental illness because the odds are that if you can make sense of what they're saying even if you don't think it's true that they actually don't have a mental illness and they might be really really sharp and there's also a chance that they're there's they're so sharp that they even have trouble articulating what they're saying there's a chance of that too but that's another subject unto itself. But, but think about how the world might be a better place if people listened to people who bent over backwards to do research about subjects that, <laughs> um, that you know, they get them persecuted on, on minor levels. Now, so here we are. It is, it is 2021, and I should give you an update on the matter of sports. Um, last football season, I was listening to Zach and others do live decodes on YouTube. And from the beginning of the season, Zach thought it looked really good for the Chiefs to be in the Super Bowl. There was a lot of discussion for the first few weeks about what other team they would face. And some people liked the 49ers. And I thought that sounded pretty good, but I thought that the narrative sounded much better for the Packers. And so I made a $1 bet. Yes, I made a bet. Come after me, okay? I made a bet for the Chiefs to play the Packers at 15 to 1 odds. And, well, so I lost that $1 bet. And I would have been so much more smart to place a $100 bet on that matchup and to place a $100 bet on the Chiefs 49ers because I still would have come out $1,000 ahead. 
And it was really tough to to pick a winner of that Super Bowl several months later. Um, I, I really didn't know. But there was plenty of ritualistic type things. You'll notice that the, the Patrick Mahomes threw a interception just... It was like he meant to throw it to the linebacker number 54. And it goes on and on and on, these events. This year, we have Super Bowl 55. 55 is a number that represents God. And this will be Tom Brady's 10th Super Bowl. 10 also represents God. And, oh, it's it's 2021. 21 is the 73rd prime if Tom Brady wins he will be 7-3 and three in Super Bowls, and folks, the, the numbers don't stop there. It goes on and on and looks pretty good for the Buccaneers to win this thing. Oh, and by the way, Zach and other people thought, yeah, the Buccaneers had a pretty, they were the most likely, um, if not the second most likely NFC team, and the Chiefs were pretty much a lock as the pick to be in the Super Bowl from the AFC the whole season. This is not easy to do, as I've already outlined with the example of the Panthers and the Broncos from years back. And Zach, and now others, do it over and over and over again in analysis in, of the NBA, the MLB, um, UFC fights, college football. Others use it to make accurate predictions about... Um, the PGA, even Zach has also, he's predicted uh, a Masters win, as one example, a Masters win by Tiger. He predicted that several months in advance. And, and, and you, can, you can typically make money off of, of golf betting, you know, every, every week of that uh, circuit by using Gematria to analyze it. And there's a, there's a person goes by the name Big Al in the community who makes... Uh, successful bets every week by analyzing the UFC uh, Gematria. And, and it, what, what do I mean by this? Well, you have the names of players, the names of teams, the locations of teams, and all, all how those code into, you know, code those words into numbers. But not only that, you have the records of the teams. You have the spans of days and years and whatever between the last time two teams played one another or two coaches played one another. It goes on. And sometimes what that, what that level of analysis does is it adds up and it adds up and it adds up in support of one team. And sometimes it's just too much. And the surface level things that that Zach was basing predictions on years ago turn out to be the things you really want to look at. And so I was, like I said, I was kind of silly last year. I made a $1 bet um, when I should have gone in deeper. This year, I made a couple small bets that paid out about $30 on the Dodgers to win the World Series because... They had been picked by Zach months and months and months in advance. And I think clear back to the beginning of the season. Zach also predicted the Cubs to world win the World Series back when they did. You know, who would have thought? Uh, he picked the Mets to be in the World Series once. And 
I mean, think about the grief that you have to take to be the person who picks the Mets in the World Series. So there was that. And and so anyway, I took the winnings from the Dodgers and and I put part of those winnings on Alabama to win it all. And I've taken the winnings from that, all of that to to bet on the NFL playoffs here recently, and I've taken the winnings from all of that to bet on the Buccaneers. And so I'll be disappointed, but I'll also be very, very, very surprised about what you know otherwise we consider would be either a big advantage, you know, big edge to the Chiefs, or it'd be a close game. I will instead be very, very, very surprised if the Buccaneers don't win. This all comes on the heels of former Buccaneers player Dwight Smith, who won Super Bowl 37 with the Buccaneers over the Raiders, uh, in which he had two interceptions. Maybe both of them were for a touchdown. I'm not sure. He just did a radio interview in which he claimed that the NFL is rigged and that the Buccaneers knew every play. The defense knew every play in advance and knew them very well because it was John Gruden's offense. That is, the Raiders used the Buccaneers' offense to play against the Buccaneers in the Super Bowl. This was something that uh, apparently Jerry Rice and Tim Brown admitted years ago. And, and so you have this former NFL player, one of three at least, at least three NFL players, former players, to admit in the last couple of years that the NFL is rigged and scripted. One of these players, Larry Johnson, former Kansas City Chief, even did an interview with Zach Hubbard over YouTube in which he you know, followed up on previous remarks he'd made elsewhere and said, yeah, yeah, it is scripted. I didn't know it at the time, but what I've seen since then is is all about pushing narratives and it, and the games were scripted. Now, I, I think that might have been a bit of face-saving by Johnson because given some of the things we've seen in recent years, it seems unlikely that Johnson would not know that it's scripted. Speaking of scripted, and, and destiny. A couple of years ago, the St. Louis Rams, or pardon me, Los Angeles Rams advanced to the Super Bowl pretty much because a referee uh, decided to make a no call out of a definite pass interference near the end of the game, the NFC Championship with the Saints. I would be very grateful to be alleviated of my concern, my emotional investment in sports through the knowledge that it's all scripted and that it was always going to be one way. In fact, it was a relief. A couple of years ago, shortly after I started following Zach's work, I stopped watching sports almost ever. Now if I do, I just turn it on for pure amusement. Because once you understand the ways in which it's scripted, you know, if you can even look at a box score of a baseball game you know, runs, hits, errors, etc. You will see the formations that are anticipated, anticipated in the daily decodes Zach does in his Patreon group. The 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 themes, the the patterns are often anticipated. It's at a, and the anticipation is at a staggering rate. Not only do we look back in time at the patterns of scores and and winning records and so on and so forth 
as a as a staggering testament of gematria, many of these things are anticipated. The the fine details um, that eventually show up are also thematically placed within the study. Uh, this is for you to discover on your own. My hope is that people will begin to pay attention to this, and if they really pay attention, then then they'll just stop watching sports, and that'll be great for them. That will improve their lives, and and they can put their energy into other things. But in the meantime, maybe you would like to not stop watching sports, and you'd like to stay dedicated to the teams that you love, and and the and the recreational part of it, and so on and so forth. Well, you know, if you were interested in utilizing this knowledge and just replicating what somebody has already been doing for like seven years, maybe you'd take up sports betting. And and if because if if people were utilizing this knowledge the way that that Big Al is utilizing it, the way that Victor is utilizing it and many others, it would soon become impossible for these organizations to do the rigging of the sporting events, um, or at least for the betting to go the way it is, because the house would begin to lose. And that, that brings up an interesting point, which is that Zach has been so effective that my, my personal take on the current uh, environment is that he's being battled in well on different fronts one he's trolled constantly by people who seem to be paid for it because there's really no point in arguing with what he's done so people show up to his patreon page and, and elsewhere to to make comments to make it seem as if he's not doing a good job that would be one example and it's like look you know all anybody has to do is actually tune into the work and and for the most part he's very accurate and it gets better because there's other people who are picking up the work like Victor who's known as Mr. Futures on YouTube uh, he also has a Patreon where he he does daily decodes I hear he's doing great with NBA I think he's probably something like one loss in his last 20 picks in the NBA Maybe it's even more than that. So, um, but not only is Zach being battled uh, in the chat room front, you know, tr trolled there. My impression is that some games that that have been analyzed by he and the community over the last year or so have been thrown in the other direction that they that they otherwise would have gone, or that there's a lot of um, hints that we would otherwise count on to to. Uh, predict the direction that have been static. They've been disinformational noise to confuse people that they now know are listening. And so to 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 wrap this up, uh, there's plenty, so much more that I could say about Zach Hubbard and and the hero that I think he is and the story of Gamatria. But I want to wrap this up by. T um, telling you about a recent account that Zach shared. He said, you know, he usually doesn't bet. But he said that one day he went down to a casino nearby. Uh, I don't know where this casino would be, but he walked up to the desk 
and the person at the desk saw Zach and said, say truth seeker. And Zach said, truth seeker, because Zach opens just about every YouTube video by saying, welcome back, truth seeker. And so the person who would have been taking Zach's bets at this casino said, hey, yeah, yeah, we know you, I know you, everybody in this casino knows you. So that's a, that's a real testament to the, the reach that Zach Hubbard's work has had over the last couple of years in exposing these things. Um, so <laughs> that even casino employees know who Zach Hubbard is, even though some people who work at the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation don't know that the foundation sponsored Event 201 in October 2019, 56 days before the uh, patient zero was identified in China. So it's dawning on me that now that this is 52 minutes and change long, it's, it's unlikely that many of you will listen to this episode or learn in time that the Bucks are probably going to win and that you should go take cash from your friends who want to bet on the Chiefs and then later you can give it back to them after you make them you know, listen to a lesson about gematria. <laughs> One more final note. You know, for what, for all of uh, what Zach has given up to pursue truth, to try to bring this knowledge into the light of the world, he's also gained the respect of and, and, and love of probably thousands of people who tune in to his episodes every day uh, and turn into his weekly um, shows. You know, he does a light, weekly live stream on Sundays, I think. He does a weekly uh, radio show on Truth Frequency Radio. And he has truly brought people together, at least digitally. And I don't think it's, it's over. It's not over yet. Uh, Zach is a man of action in an age when action is needed. And he is someone who um, I think probably learned to stand up for himself at an early age. And he does so. He stands up for others. He's admirable in so many ways. And so, Zach, if you're listening, I love you, man. And um, you are an amazing example for, for everybody. I, um, <laughs> that, is, that is everything, you know, everything included and everything, uh, you know, taken as exception. So truly, it is an honor to be able to talk about you in this, in this day in which we need so many more people to be dedicated to the truth, no matter where it takes them. And to the listener, to the uninitiated listener, I, I, I can't challenge you enough to pursue this inquiry into something that probably sounds nuts. But real quickly, I should throw this out there. You know, so many people take an interest in astrology. And I think that if all you ever did was read the the horoscopes in the newspaper you would think well yeah this is really generalized and you would take that that um diversion as a way to dismiss astrology but when you look into like deeper uh descriptions of people 
who were born on certain days of the year and so forth, you find that, I, at least I find that they're usually way too accurate the, for me to dismiss them as baseless. And I think that no matter on what terms you come to accept gematria, you will accept its prevalence in mainstream news, in sports, and in the workings of the city of Washington, D.C. And you will find that it is a gateway to relieve yourself, <clears throat> relieve yourself of taking those things seriously. And once you stop taking Washington, D.C. seriously, once we all get on the uh, understanding of how things are working there, uh, how they're timed. It's just it's just crazy. Uh, <laughs> we might all actually get somewhere when we can steer our attention away from that. It's my privilege, again, to speak to you. I thank you for your time and attention. Have a great weekend, and I hope that you laugh at the Super Bowl as much as I will.